What's going on, Law Nation? Welcome to the Passive Income Attorney Podcast, the best place for learning about the world of alternative passive investments so that you can have more freedom, flexibility, and fun. All right. If you're ready to kick that billable hour to the curb, start by going to attorneybydesign.com and download the Freedom Blueprint, which will also get you access to opportunities to partner with us on one of our next passive real estate investments. We'd love to get you on board and help you on your way to financial freedom. All right, let's talk about taking the leap, taking action. Today, let's talk about walking away from your law practice or your career. Should you do it? Is this the right time? Do you have enough alternative income to sustain yourself and your family? If you're unhappy, would quitting your practice actually change that? Is it the true source of your unhappiness? Those are the questions you need to start asking yourself if you're considering it. While daydreaming about telling your least favorite boss or colleague to shove it and walking out of your office with your head held high and guns ablazing sounds pretty fun, the reality is that it might just not be the best idea, maybe not right now, nor will it ultimately solve your discontent. Until you're truly ready to burn that bridge, Make sure you're financially and emotionally capable of it. Focus and leverage the good things about your job. Steady, high-paying income, bankability, resources, skill development, etc. To create alternative streams of income, then scale down. Bill less hours, go part-time, see if you can smell the roses now. When your paycheck is no longer necessary for your survival, you might even start enjoying your practice again. If and when the time to walk away comes, you'll know. I'm so excited for today's guest, Laura Wentworth, an expert at assessing hard questions like those, like when to walk away. She's a leading voice in guiding attorney issues with confidence, motivation, imposter syndrome, stress management, and career development. She's a former law partner, but has since transitioned completely out of her practice and is now a professional performance leadership and wellness coach and the co-founder and director of Coaching Advocates. You guys are going to love this one. All right, let's go. This is the Passive Income Attorney Podcast, where you'll discover the secrets and strategies of the ultra-wealthy on how they build streams of passive income to give them the freedom we all want. Attorney Seth Bradley will help you end the cycle of trading your time for money so you can make money while you sleep. Start living the good life on your own terms. Now, here's your host, Seth Bradley. All right, Laura, welcome to the show. Hi, Seth. Thank you. It's great to be here with you. Yeah, super excited to have you on today. Ready to jump right in. So go ahead, tell us about your story. Take it back as far as you'd like to. Oh, gosh, way back, way back when. No, so um, so I was a, a lawyer or, or an attorney for many years, so about 20 years or so, and I practiced uh, in family law and estate planning uh, and a bit of personal injury compensation law at the start. Um, came straight out of high school. My mum said, what will you do with your life? I said, I don't know. She said, I know. You're very good at arguing, so maybe you should be a lawyer. And I said, okay. I did, I did, you know, the good thing and I did what my mum said and so I went off to law school and um, I came out of law school still very green as most of us do and I, um, you know, I practised for a lot of years. I enjoyed what I did. I felt um, connected mostly to my clients and their stories than for law 
as such. You know, a lot of lawyers come into law and they want to change the world and all those good things. For me, it was more about the people. It was more about, you know, how can I help this one particular client, client at a time. And so eventually, um, one day I was sitting at my in my office, in my seat, and I thought to myself, I'm in the wrong seat. You know, have you ever had that feeling, you know, like I'm yeah. just, someone else needs to be sitting in this seat. There's another seat somewhere else for me. And so that realisation kind of didn't go away and then eventually I discovered my true calling, which was coaching, which is what I do now and I've done so for the last four years, uh, coaching lawyers and attorneys. Awesome, so awesome. It's a small version of my story. Yeah, love it, love it. It's, it's funny, lots of uh, non-attorneys tend to say, <laughs> you know, you, you would be a good attorney because you're good at arguing. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was part of the debating team. Um, I was always logical. Um, and so, yeah, law seemed to be, didn't like science. What else will I do? <laughs> so law was the, the easy thing, easy thing, the um, natural thing for me. Gotcha. Yeah. And once you got into it, it sounded like, you know, you didn't necessarily like the work and correct me if I'm wrong, but you definitely yeah. liked the, the people perspective. Of it. Yeah. Yeah. There was parts of the work I liked, um, you know, to be a, to be a, uh, I suppose, I want to be careful with my words because you could be a good lawyer in, in lots of different forms and shapes. But I guess for me back then, I thought to be a good lawyer, I had to be really detailed focused. And I'm naturally not a detailed in that way person. And so I struggled a little bit with that. I had to really train myself to sit down and look at the detail. So that part of the work didn't resonate with me so much. But if you put me in front of a client to talk about life, to talk about their family law issues, to talk about... Um, so I ended up actually just coaching clients. <laughs> that's what I really enjoyed doing. And so that's, yeah, that's what I thought. I should just do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. it sounds like it might have been an easy transition. What, what did that transition look like, transitioning out oh, of your, your traditional legal no. practice into what is now your coaching business? Not easy at all, I have to say, <laughs> Seth. This is, it was, you know, I was getting to the age of 40, um, which is a bit scary to say, but yes, I was. <laughs> so uh, hard to believe as well. Anyway, um, so I was getting to the age of 40 and still feeling like I was in the wrong seat, was doing a whole bunch of personal development courses and things to just to really tap into my calling, my purpose. I was really big and still am very big on that, you know, that if I'm not living my purpose, then what am I doing sort of thing. And, um, and then eventually kind of dawned on me that I don't want to be sitting in my rocking chair at 80, looking back on my life thinking, what if I had just tried, you know? What if I had just given, given it a go and just seen what happened? And so in that moment, I thought I would much rather be that 80-year-old who tried and failed rather than the one who never tried and never knew. So that kind of gives me a little goose flesh but that kind of was my um push to try and so it was scary it wasn't easy it was really scary I knew like by, the, by that point I knew what I had to do but the actual transition you know I was leaving a life that I had known for 20 years people that I'd known for 20 years a job that I'd been in for 17 years you know there was so much security and certainty that I was leaving 
and sort of diving into the unknown, diving into a, an area that I didn't have experience in, into a network that was pretty much empty, you know, into into a world where there was just no, nothing really. Um, so I don't, it was a very, very challenging time, but it's like I had to do it. It's like, you know, jumping out of an aeroplane. It was so scary, but I just had to do it. I had to experience it. Yeah, was it was yeah. it kind? Of, did you start it as a side hustle and then? Yeah. Go out or? Yeah, so so I got myself a coach. Um, so when I made that decision, I thought, okay, cool. So I've got to make a transition. Didn't know how. I thought, what what do people do when this happens? You know. <laughs> so I got myself a coach, and she um, I chose a coach who had a similar journey to me, and she was great. She she kind of helped me through the process of transition. So what happened was. Uh, I was in a law firm, I was a partner, um, and I was uh, part-time, you could call me back then, although I worked pretty much seven days, but whatever, I was a part-time. <laughs> you know, kind of attorney part- is full-time yeah. anything else. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so um, what I started doing was retraining. So I went to, you know, did different courses around coaching, and so I started to retrain. And for about one year, I coached at night for free. And I went to work during the day, four days out of the week. So I would do the, the attorney gig during the day and I'd be coach by night. And um, I did that for about a year for free. So once I, I did that and then I felt sort of secure and, okay, I could do this. This is something that I could actually start charging for. That was a great feeling. Um, I then started to charge. And then eventually I got to the point where I had some decent you know, I had a, a you know a decent uh, amount of clients to keep me going financially. It wasn't going to be the same as what I was earning back, at, you know, as a lawyer, as an attorney, but it was enough for me to make that sort of transition. And so then when that happened, um, I slowly came out of my job. I never encourage people to just quit your job and do something else. Think about that, right? Because we've still got to do things like pay mortgages and eat and drink and other things and pay for schools (laughs) in my case um and so um i've lost my train now seth what was i saying oh and then i i i uh, I slowly um yeah i slowly transitioned out of the law so i was sort of more doing coaching than lawyering i was consulting a little bit for my firm and then i kind of phased myself out and then phased myself slowly in so it was a really kind of nice smooth I'll say that now, looking back. Yeah. It wasn't nice. It was, it was a journey. It still is. But, yeah, it was like a bit of a transition from out of one into another one, both financially and also kind of mentally as well, I think. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you did it the right way. Like you said, a lot of people are, you know, they contemplate just quitting their job and you have to, mm. you know, coach them off the ledge and say, wait a minute, is that really the, <laughs> is that really the best idea? Maybe you yeah. should think about it. I know you're upset yeah. maybe about something that happened today at work, but maybe yeah. you should really think about you know, the consequences of that, maybe you should just yeah. think about, you know, doing a side hustle, starting a side hustle, starting yeah. some passive investments yeah. so that you can start kind of walking away a little yeah. bit at a time like you did rather than all at once. Definitely, definitely. And that was, that was, a, I think that was the best thing I did. Um, and it was something that um, my coach said to me, she said, you will not quit your job. Cause I was like, yes, let's do this. You know, I was on fire. I was excited. Like, yeah, my found my calling. I'm just going to quit my job. And she said, well, 
do you know how much you need to survive? I'm like, no, I really haven't not budgeted before. She said, well, do a budget, work out how much do you need to be able to pay for food, to pay for groceries, to pay for, I'm married as well, so I've got sort of support from my husband financially, but my income was also a big part of the piece. So I couldn't just give that up and move on. And so I'm glad I listened to her because otherwise it would have been a bit of a, a a harder, a harder leap to make, whereas this was a, a bit of a transition. So it was, it was a lot, um, it was a lot easier doing it that way. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, and I, I wanted to mention what you had mentioned before, um, talking about perspective and kind of picturing yourself being eighty years old and looking back and saying, you know, should I have done that? You know, I, I was, dude, I put myself in a similar situation, and I think other people should too. Whenever they're thinking about, you know, taking a leap or taking action or doing something kind of out of their comfort zone. You really want to say, you know, on my deathbed, picture yourself there. It might be a little bit morbid, but looking back on your deathbed, what are you going to be thinking about? Are you going to be thinking yeah. about, you know, should I build more hours or spend more time in the office? Probably yeah. not. You're going to be thinking about, you know, what you should have done, you know, the chances you should have taken and the people that you should have been spending time with. Definitely. A hundred percent. And that's for a long time, I really thought my purpose was just to be that billing machine and to be the lawyer and to be the the partner and all those you know sorts of things that we aspire to as attorneys yeah so when, when we come out of law school you know what's next get the experience get your foot through the door do the long hours don't complain um you're lucky to have a job all that all those mental models that kind of keep us sometimes keep us stuck where we are because some of us don't evolve out of that mental model i didn't you know for a long time i thought I should just be grateful that I have a job. That was me as a junior. And then as I got, as I became a mother and then I had to I had to take leave and look after my children, I should be lucky that I have a job while I do this. And then when I came back as a part-timer and I should be lucky that I, you know, there was this, this mentality didn't leave me that I should just be grateful that I have this job, which I was very much grateful for, but it didn't allow me the space to be ambitious. It didn't allow me the space to think, well, what do I want? You know, what? okay, I'm grateful, which is great, but where else can I take this? What else can I do? And it wasn't until I was sitting on my rocking chair, I wasn't on my deathbed, but, you know, <laughs> on my rocking chair on my patio drinking my coffee, and I thought, overlooking the water, of course, and I thought, um, you know, as an 80-year-old doing that, what do I want to look back on my life and think? It's a, it's a really sobering feeling, isn't it? Because mm -hmm. there's no looking, there's no turning around. We only get to do this thing once. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And I think, I think we get caught up just kind of in the, I think it was just designed this way, right? Like, you're like, Hey, they, they, they tell you go to college and then go to law school and get a great law firm job, bill, you know, X amount of hours this year, and then you'll get a bonus, you know, make partner yeah. and everything's going to be fine. So you're just always kind of looking at that next thing. And even the pay scales in the United States, I'm not sure if it's the same over there, but they're based mm. on lockstep at big firms. So mm. you know exactly what you're going to make next year and what you're going to make the year after that. So it's kind of like mm. they're just dangling this carrot yeah. and then you keep moving the target and eventually yeah. you're stuck. Exactly. I mean, it's a little bit different here in Australia. We, you, you guys get paid a lot more than we do, especially, um, especially as junior lawyers. I heard some statistics the other day that floored me. But, but it's it's a similar process, and it's really, you know, Seth, it's this idea of what success is. And I think a lot of the times when we become professionals and and, and especially lawyers, we get fed the idea of what success means. And we believe that a lot of the time. So, okay, so in order to be successful, this is the criteria that I must fulfill. 
um, and then I'm successful. Success is, a, is an inside job. It's an individual story. You know, what's successful for you may not be successful for me. You know, it may not feel successful. And I think that's where I got trapped. You know, I just needed to make the, the, the next thing. I needed to get to partner. And then I got to partner. I thought, cool, this is great. <laughs> you know, why am I not elated? Well, I mean, I was at the start. This was, oh, finally I've made it here. And then it was just like every other day. I didn't feel successful. And it wasn't until I, my coach said to me, she said, Lara, I want you to sit down and write. And I get, I get my clients to do this sometimes too. I want you to sit down and write your success story. I said, oh, well, I want this big house. And I want, she says, no, 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 no. Not what other people think success looks like, what you think success looks like. And I had never thought about that. Can you believe that? I'd never thought about what success means for me. And so when I sat down and I wrote it, I thought, you know what? Success means that I get to wake up every morning feeling like I'm aligned with my purpose. I'm about to do a work, a day's work of something that matters to me. And I get to go to sleep feeling fulfilled every night. That's success for me. And, and the good thing about that is that money follows when you feel that way. Yeah. And I have to say, you know, money's something that I've had issues with for a long time when I was younger. And, you know, I'm making more money now than I ever did as an attorney. Um, but it's not about that. It's not about that. It's about being fulfilled. It's about being happy. Whatever, whatever gives you that. You know, some people say, Do you, are you saying that I should leave the law? Well, no. That's not what I'm saying at all. That's my story, my journey. For you, it might be something different. For you, maybe law is your calling, but you just need to, you know, get your head in the game and, and, and your heart as well and to, to, to do it your way. Yeah, and, and to go through some of those exercises like you did, those mental exercises to figure that out. A lot of people think that, you know, if I'm miserable at my job, so I have to quit my job and yeah. then I'll be happy. But maybe the job itself isn't what's making you unhappy. It's something kind of underlying. Maybe you're not being fulfilled in, in some way and the job is just kind of making you more, you know, it's exacerbating, you know, the problem, but you haven't yeah. dug deep enough to figure out what the, what the real problem no. is. No, in fact, Seth, I'd love to, this is unscripted. I'd love to share, I'd love to share a model with you that help me understand what happens to us in, in life in terms of our experience. Because a lot of the times, you're right, you know, people will come and say, my environment, my job is so painful, and then our, our survival instinct kicks in and we just need to get out of there. Before that happens, think about the different layers of your experience. So is that okay if I share this with you Absolutely. And, and your audience? Awesome. Absolutely. So this work comes, this work is primarily from neuro-linguistic programming or NLP, which is what I'm trained in. Um, and it comes from an anthropologist by the name of Gregory Bateson, and it was developed later on by Robert Diltz and other people. But basically, it, this is called neurological levels. This is how I think. So it'll give you a little bit of an insight into, into my mind. <laughs> so this, this theory says that our experiences works in levels, in about six levels to be exact. At the very base of our experience is our environment. So this is the where and when something is happening. And this is the, the, the very sort of, it's the physical, physical environment. So very rarely is the environment the problem. You know, when we're talking environment, we're talking, you know, are the windows in the wrong place? Is the air conditioning on at the right temperature? That kind of level. The next level from that is our behavior. So this is the what we do in the environment. 
So you would be in different environments throughout your life and in each one of those environments, your behavior would change, correct? So in your, in your attorney job, when you're an attorney, your behavior was a certain way. Now, you know, doing what you do, your behavior is a certain way. So the environment sort of dictates the behavior that we need to adopt. Above that level is the skills, the capabilities. This is how we do what we do. So in certain environments, we need certain skills. Above that is our, and this is when it starts to get kind of a bit deeper, above that is our beliefs and values. So this is what we believe and what's important to us about what we're doing in that environment. And above that is our identity. You know, you hear lawyers say, I'm a lawyer, it's the lawyer in me, it's the attorney in me, I just can't, I can't get the lawyer out of me, you know. And so they take that identity everywhere they go, even though it's not the right environment for it. So that's the identity piece. Now, above that is something else. That, you know, we call that the greater whole uh, purpose, something outside of us. For a lot of people, it's a whole different, you know, it could be spiritual, it could be something outside of us, greater than us. So, that, so it's not just our environment, but a lot of people think it's the environment. But So what I do with people, you know, I get them to think about, well, hang on a minute. Is it the environment or is it that you are maybe not behaving the right way in the environment? Maybe you need some more skills so that you can behave the way you need to. Maybe there's something going on with your beliefs and values in that environment. Maybe your values are not being met. or Maybe you have a limiting belief about yourself in that environment. And maybe there's an issue to do with your identity. So before you jump ship, you know, that what's that expression, out of the pot into the fire pan, into the fire, something, I don't know, from one it. place, yeah, yeah, that's it, I'm, I'm great at quotes, um, from one <laughs> to the other. Before you do that, think about, well, hang on a minute, is it the environment or is it something else? Because I'll tell you what happens, a lot of people go, oh, I just need to get out of this job, I just need to get out of this relationship, I just need to get out of this country. And two years later, they wake up and they realise they've taken themselves with them. And the problems are still there. So I just wanted to share that with you because it's not always the environment. Something else is going on. Yeah, definitely. And like <laughs> you said, you know, being in the right seat as well. I mean, I know that I did this too. I, I thought maybe the environment at a particular law firm wasn't right for me. You know, it was like these overbearing partners or this or that. And then I changed law firms. The same thing happened. I felt the same way. I changed law firms again. Same thing, same feeling. It wasn't you know, that specific environment. It was just how, you know, I reacted to it and I needed to be somewhere different. It was, it was me needing to be an entrepreneur and I need to get out of the law firm environment entirely. Yeah. 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 So my guess is your values were not being met in right. that, in that environment and not just the physical environment, but in the legal world. Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. And then another thing that you mentioned, which is great is, is kind of that identity piece. It, it's really tough for, attorneys once they leave their practice or even if they don't entirely leave but identifying as something other than an attorney um, yeah. i know i do the same thing someone asked me you know what do you do or what do you do for work and i still say attorney even though that's not primarily mm -hmm. what i do but it's always the first thing on my mouth and i'm trying to change that but it's a hard hard habit to break it is it is it is because it is so ingrained in us you know it's not just a job you know, it's a, it's a lifestyle, it's a career, it's a, it's a, it's a way of being. Well, it's not, it is actually a job. There is so much more to you than just your job and what you do. And so just, it's not who you are, it's what you do. Like coaching, it's what I do. Yeah. It's not who I am because I'm also a mother, I'm also a friend, I'm also a wife, I'm also a, you know, I'm also fun and I'm, I can also be all sorts of things depending on the environment that yeah. I'm in.
So yeah, yeah, definitely. The identity thing, I think too, sorry, just on that, because it's something that causes a lot of attorneys a lot of grief, this identity thing. And I've worked with a lot of people who take their identity as a, as a lawyer into their home. And that causes most of the problems, you know, so they, they, they become a spouse as though they're a lawyer. They become a parent as though they're a lawyer. You know, I've heard people say, oh, I, I don't, you know, my time is money, but you're at home. <laughs> Your time is not money at home. Your time is time. Oh, yeah, but because they're in that kind of billable hour mentality and time is money, they take that everywhere. Or, you know, I don't, I don't tolerate, um, you know, mediocrity for my children or, you know, everything's going to be perfect. But you're a parent. That's not the right. You know, that's a it, you're, that's a different skill set. You're in a different environment, so it can cause people a lot of grief. And they say, "I just can't snap out of this lawyering when I'm not lawyering." I don't know if lawyering is a word, is it? It's it's one in our environment. Yeah, it is for now. sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny. Yeah. I get I get that from my wife as well. So she's like, yeah. "Why do you always have to take like the counterpoint? Like, even if I yeah. do, even if I do agree with her, I'll always like bring up a counterpoint and say, well, what about this? Yeah. Like, I like what you're saying, but what about this? Why don't you think about it like this?' And it's it's definitely you know going back to what yeah. you were saying and taking yeah. that into a different environment that it doesn't necessarily belong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right so just being aware of that so just you know how else can i show up in this environment you know what what would be best suited for this environment yeah would be a good yeah question. and i like to reframe that this this whole idea as well as, as identification of, of what you do um you know this applies to doctors and engineers mm. and whoever else i mean mm. they have the same problem right you know they're what else if they're not a doctor they're not an engineer what are they and i think so them. Yeah, I think so. I think we invest so much of ourselves when we're studying for this job. <laughs> so we, we do, you know, you remember your, your, your law school days, it was a lot of work and a lot of sacrifice to get to the point where you can be an attorney. So we invest, we invest so much of ourselves in it that it then becomes part of who we are. And the same would be of lawyers and doctors, um, we are lawyers, doctors, engineers and other professions that ask so much of you as a person that it becomes kind of, you know, fused with the identity piece. So, so it's natural. It does happen. It does happen. Yeah. It's about yeah. being aware. Yeah. So let, why don't you tell us a little bit about your coaching business and, you know, who are your clients, who do you help and, and how do you help yeah. them? Yeah, cool. So um, when I came out of law, decided to become a coach, at first I didn't know who I was going to coach. I just knew I wanted to coach. And again, because I'm so pulled towards purpose, I needed to make sure that I was coaching the right people for me. And nothing resonated until one day I thought, that why did why was I a lawyer for so long? You know, I'd ask God these questions, you know, why did I do law for so long if I wasn't going to be a lawyer forever? And it kind of dawned on me that maybe the reason that I was a lawyer for so long is so that I can experience it from the inside so then I can help other lawyers. And that really resonated with me. You know, it was like putting a, a round peg into a round hole. It was just like, boom, it was, it clicked, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that was it. So I, I basically, I coach uh, mainly lawyers, although other people who reach out to me, I can't say no So, if, to, to helping people. So if someone else reaches out who's not in the legal field, I still help. But mainly lawyers um, at any stage or, or any any member of the legal profession. So it could be a barrister, it could be a, a, you know, a magistrate, a judge, whoever. And I help them to overcome barriers that hold them back so that they can create remarkable changes in their lives and in their careers. And I do that by 
helping people understand, firstly, building awareness about what's going on for them and helping them move forward and changing things that are unconscious. I'm a big believer that in order to create sustainable change in you, you need to look at what you don't see. You look at what you don't see. You look at, yeah, you need to look at those things that you can't see. So those unconscious patterns of behavior, emotions, um, those things that we um, don't pay attention to, they are the ones calling the shots. You know, did you know that by the age of 35, 95% of what we do is on autopilot? 95 percent but i can believe it so a lot of what we do most of what we do how we feel how we react is unconscious so my coaching is really about the mindset piece the unconscious patterns that hold us back the unconscious mind i love working with the unconscious mind and i use that as a basis for any kind of coaching i do so it could be leadership coaching it could be career coaching it could be business coaching I firmly believe that whatever changes you want to create in your life comes, starts with the foundation of your mindset, yeah? If the mindset's not there, then I could teach you all the strategies, all the tools, and they will last for a little while and they'll disappear. In fact, I love this quote by um, Peter Sage. I don't know if you know Peter Sage, one of my favorite sort of um, management gurus. Um, He's in the US. So Peter says that, let me see if I can get this quote correct. He says <laughs> that behavior follows mindset, not skill set. So in order to, and he says, sorry, let me go back. Behavior follows mindset, not skill set. If you educate somebody, here we go, it's coming to me. If you educate somebody or you, without raising their consciousness, all you're simply doing is giving them more tools with which they will enact the same behavior. And so for me, if you want to change something, you've got to raise your level of consciousness first. Then I can teach you the tools. Love it. Got to get that foundational base first, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've got to build. Like every building, you've got to have a nice, strong foundation and you can build on top. Yeah. What are, what are some yeah. of the questions or, you know, what are some of the best questions or, you know, the best exercises that you go through with your clients when you're trying to build that mindset? Yeah. Model? Okay. So... One of the things that we focus on is focus. So um, you've heard of this, you know, where your focus goes, your energy flows, right? So, you know, my guess is when you made the decision, Seth, to change careers, there was some energy that was invested in that because you focused on it. Otherwise, it probably wouldn't have never happened. You would have still been doing what you're doing. So what you focus on, your energy goes towards. One of the biggest things that I find with attorneys is that their focus is in the wrong spot for them. So a lot of people, um, I work with a lot of anxious, stressed out, burnt out lawyers. And so there's a lot of, I don't want to be anxious. I don't want to be stressed. I don't want to be burnt out. And there's a lot of, I don't want, I don't want. What happens when we focus on what we don't want is that we still get more of it because we're focused on it, right? Whatever you focus on, your energy flows towards that. So one of the biggest things I love doing is getting people to refocus. And there's an exercise that I get people to do where they get to set daily intentions. One of my favorite things to do, and one of the things that we do pretty early on in the piece, in the package. And so that's really about, you know, thinking about your day and your day is almost over, my day is beginning. So thinking about my day and thinking about, well, what what sort of, 
what are some of the things that will come up for me today just by looking at my diary and my calendar? And how do I want to show up today? What, where do I want to invest my energy and my focus? And then setting yourself an intention. So some of my favorite intentions are things like, you know, today I'm going to be grateful for the smallest things in my day. Today I'm going to learn something new. Today I am going to put a smile on someone's face. I like that one. Uh, today, so setting those intentions then helps redirect your focus. So rather than thinking, oh, today I don't want to be anxious, you know, today I want to feel calm and in control. And so what happens, your reticular activating system in your brain then starts to look for opportunities for you to meet that intention. And so you start to see the things that you don't see. Um, so one of the things, yeah, mindset uh, focus is a big, big piece of mindset. I think we, if you can shift your focus to what you want to find, then that's kind of half the battle. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's probably the basis for, you know, when people you know try to manifest something into existence or they put together a vision board or, you know, they, they do visualization practices in the morning. That's kind of the same thing. You're, you're kind of training your mind to look for these things, these goals, these big aspirations. And then, yeah. and then they start kind of magically finding you. You know, it's so true. I have to tell you, when I decided to become a coach, I was so heavily invested in visualizing what I wanted. And I visualized it every day for about two years. I would do this practice in the morning. I would do some priming. And part of that priming practice was a visualization practice. And I saw so much of what's happening in my career now. I saw that already. It was, it's, it, it's so true when you say it kind of magically happens. Because you're just like, I imagine this. I actually imagine that I'd be doing this. This is so weird. I thought about it. And so if we, can, if we can visualize it, if we can see it in our minds, you know, things always happen twice, once in the mind and then the second time in reality. So if we can see it in our minds, that's what manifestation's about. It's about putting out what you want to, to achieve and you first do that by imagining it, but not just imagining it, Seth, by living it in the now. So living your future as though it's happening now. So it's not just about imagining, it's about feeling it, it's about hearing it, seeing it experiencing it from the inside and then your body kind of goes oh yeah i know how to do that i'll take you there it's easy right. we've, we've felt this before you yeah. know so doc, dr joe Dispenza talks a lot about this stuff as well that's cool yeah and you just your body just and your mind figures out a way to bridge that gap between yep. where you're at now and where you've you know visualized yourself being yep definitely does yeah it does. It knows what, it knows how to take you there. It's the, it's the most amazing thing. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, before we jump into the freedom four, do you have one last golden nugget for our listeners? Oh gosh, just one. Um, I don't know. What, what would I give you as a golden nugget? Well, okay. Yep. I've got one golden nugget. If you're feeling out of control or if you're feeling like the world is, um, you know, taking over and you're just a participant in your, in your experience rather than the driver of your vehicle in your life, remember that your mind is your mind, no one else's. So if you can control your mind and if you can be in charge of your mind, you can be in charge of your results. And at the end of the day, Results don't happen to you, they happen for you. 
And so if you can be in charge of your mind, you can be in charge of your results and everybody can be in charge of their minds. So. Love it. Love it. All right. Let's jump into the Freedom Forum. Cool. It's time for the Freedom Forum. What's the best thing you do to keep your mind and body healthy? Mm. Um, but mind and body, I'd say meditation and, um, and exercise. I cannot go without those two things. Awesome. So awesome. just spending some time with myself. <laughs> yeah. With all your success, what is one limiting belief that you've crushed along the way and how did you get past mm. it? It'd have to be the imposter syndrome. So this whole thing of, oh, you can't really do that. That's not really going to work for you. So how did I get past it? I have to say a lot, some coaching. I had to sort of do some NLP work, neuro-linguistic programming. And so, excuse me. And I had to rewire that pattern of, um, that default pattern of you really can't do that. Now it's the opposite. So now it's, you can do that. And then I think about how I can do that rather than, Oh, you really can't do that. And then I try to convince myself to. So some rewiring and some neuro-linguistic programming really helped me rewire that program. It's now the exception rather than the rule. It does happen from time to time, but I catch it because it's so strange. It doesn't belong there. Yeah. And it helps that you're aware of it, right? I think a lot of people Definitely. struggle with that, with that same issue. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. What's one actionable step our listeners can do right now to start creating more freedom? Hmm. I know. Um, one actionable step is write down your values. So think about what is important to you. A lot of the times we live in line with what's important to the profession, to other people, to the world, you know, what success means to other people. But sit down and ask yourself this question. In my career, my job, my relationship, wherever you find yourself, what is important to me? And list those things down. And then ask yourself, am I meeting those? Am I showing up in line with my values? And if the answer is no, ask yourself, what can I do? What can I do to meet my values now? That in itself can create freedom. Beautiful. Last but not least, how has becoming an entrepreneur made your life better? Oh, wow. Um, you know, someone said to me once, if you really want to learn about yourself, start your own business. <laughs> and that is so true. You know, I really learned. I've learned so much about myself in the last four to five years than I ever have. So um, being an entrepreneur has really given me back my personal power, my ability to um, call the shots, really put me back in the driver's seat of my life. So I, didn't, I wouldn't swap it for anything else in the world. Love that. Or any Love other that. job in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Not even being an attorney? <laughs> no. <laughs> that ship has sailed, my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, Laura, this has been awesome. It really has. Um, tell our Thank listeners you. where they can find out more about you. Oh, yes. So uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, um, one of my favorite platforms. I think that's where we met, Seth, on LinkedIn. Yes. So you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me um, through our website, um, our coachingadvocates.com. I should have mentioned that at the, well, at the start as part of my journey. I'm also part of a, a bigger global coaching uh, network, Coaching Advocates. So you can find us on, um, on our website or Facebook, uh, email, 
um, I, maybe I'll give you all those details and, and people can reach out however way. But really, LinkedIn is probably where you'll find me, just under Lara Wentworth. Okay, awesome. We'll drop all that in the show notes. Laura, it's cool. been awesome. Thanks so much again for coming Thank on the you. show. Thank you, Seth. It's been so much fun. So enjoy the rest of your evening and I, um, I'll see you again soon. Sounds good. All right, folks. Laura Wentworth from across the Pacific in Australia. I love how much she loves her business. You can really hear the passion in her voice. All right, major key. If you're feeling unsettled, take a deep dive into yourself. Figure out the source of the issue rather than just assuming it's your job or the daily traffic or one particular relationship in your life. Ask yourself what's truly the cause and how can you fix it? All right, if you're ready for a change and ready to take action, Partner with us on our next passive real estate deal. Go to attorneybydesign.com, download the Freedom Blueprint, join the Esquire Passive Investor Club. All right, kids, enjoy the journey. Thank you for listening to the Passive Income Attorney Podcast with Seth Bradley. Do you want more ideas on how to generate multiple streams of passive income? Then jump over to passiveincomeattorney.com for show notes and resources. Then apply for the private Facebook community by searching for the Passive Income Attorney on Facebook. And we'll see you on the next episode.